Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Last week, we're in our message, More Than Meets the Eye, we didn't get to the outline. Some of you were hearing like, we didn't even get to like the part where we fill in stuff. And I don't know what happened. I just kind of kept going, right? And, but it was good to take a stop at that moment. And I I said something like, we're going to go to part two this week. Now I'm going to disappoint you is <laughs> we're going to probably hit that next week. God willing, we're going to get to Romans 8 to kind of finish off this series more than meets the eye. But I feel like there's a, there's a part 1B that comes with what we'll take off from last week. And this, it's this question I put out at the very beginning we spent most of the time talking about was, is this, what is the story you're telling yourself? What is the story you, you tell yourself? And that question, I, I've kind of used that for my life this week when I'm in moments, and it's actually a good trigger Questions. It's kind of a self-awareness question. Like when you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you're, you're mad and frustrated or you're having a conversation with someone and you're feeling, you're feeling anxious or you're feeling like you're, you're kind of feeling lower or self-esteem. And what it is is a story that you're telling yourself of something like I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm mad at that person. There's, and why, why is that? It kind of helps you go backwards. Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And we talked about last week with that question, the story we tell ourselves, this internal dialogue, has a lot to do with our past. How we've been loved in the past, and how we've been hurt. And unfortunately, it seems like our wounded story kind of rises higher than when we love. We, we, we're probably a mix of both. Some of us maybe even love more than, than hurt more, but some of you have been hurt deeply in your life, and it's affected you. It's the story you tell yourself, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about others, and actually how you view God. We spent time talking about the, the wonderful, amazing story in, in Scripture of the man who had two sons and the, the unconditional love he had as a father for his sons. Now, God loves us that way, in an unconditional way. And, and, and what he did was sent Christ to come and flip the script of our story. That the story that was once of wounded, of sin, that sin skewed our story and how we see ourselves and how we see God and others, that God flipped the script through Christ and that there's a new story, a brand new story, that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing where we're going through today that we're going to get to is that story gets tested. That story we tell ourselves, that's the, the God story of our lives, how we went from a story, a, 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 a story of hurt, of pain, to really a redemption story, uh, where God takes the pain and hurt and transforms it and uses it for, for gr- a great, incredible transformation that happens in our life. But do we believe that story? I think what the challenge is when we, to believe that story is when it is tested. The story gets tested, as we're going to talk about today, I believe is this, it gets tested in our failures. When we experience failure, here's the, here's, the, here's the question, what is the story you tell about yourself now? When life's good and everything's great, that's awesome, and a little setback here, a little thing here, but when you fail, when you blow it big time, right? When, when you get, if you've been a student or you are a student, you get the big fat F on your paper. Or for some of us, I, I never really got an F on my paper or, you know, final, but I, I, I had some D's in math. I'm like, 
Wow, a D. D is not good. D is, you know, that's not good. Well, I didn't fail, but that's not good, right? When you get the low grade or when you, when you, uh, your job performance, you think you're doing well and the boss sits you down. So let me tell you where things are at. Things are not good. That point of failure, or you get let go, or, or you have people that say they love you and they say, you know what? We're done. I've had friends that are like, all of a sudden they're like, their spouse is done. We're done. I'm like, what happened? That moment that's there. Some of you, I was talking to someone in the first service. They got a bad report, a health report. They have failing health. When you get to that, what is the story you're telling yourself? What is that story? See, the reality is this. When it comes to it, we're going to fail. We're, it's, it's guaranteed. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And how do we handle failure? You got to think of all the things we go through in life. Isn't that one of those areas? I don't know about you. I want to handle failure better. I want to, and, and we're going to look here in a moment of a story and a great example in scripture. You would think this person would, was filled with success, but actually expresses a lot of failure that he had in his life, but, but the transformation that took place. But the reality for us is this, is that many times it, when we face failure, we kind of feel like, okay, with failure, like we don't want to do that again. We're not going to, wow, we did that. So what the tendency for us in our life is this, when we face failure, what do we do? This is what we end up doing next is nothing. Nothing is the response to failure. I mean, I am, I failed. Why even try? Why keep going? And so what we have, and I don't think culture in many ways, there's a lot of problems in our culture and society and our, in our world. Well, one of the things our culture has provided for us is a lot of safety nets. Safety seems to be the, the MO in our life, isn't it? That we, we want to have a tendency to play it safe because safety is so important. No, there's nothing wrong with, with you know, security systems. There's nothing wrong with nanny cams. There's nothing wrong with firewalls and background checks and homeland security. Some of you work border patrol or customs. We appreciate you. We appreciate our law enforcement. Safety is important. I'm not saying, you know, we should, that, that, that isn't an important thing. But are we playing it too safe? Do we find ourselves... And I think technologies, as wonderful as incredible it is, it can be, and, and, and what it leads us is informational age, is information helpful or sometimes is it harmful? I'm like, yeah, there is real threats of terrorism. And then on the other side, you flip over and you, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't eat romaine lettuce. We're going to die if I eat romaine lettuce. It's like both put us in a panic mode, right? You know, it's just like we get so much information that it causes us to freeze up a little bit. And I think this is the, the danger when it comes to, and, and, and I have a little bit of bone to pick at times, is for myself, is how much I grab onto this to tell me and dictate my life. This is, this is very convenient, but it creates this layer of safety for me that I don't really need to interact on a one-on-one person the person relationship. I can just use this to do that. And, I, and then you and I, we create these, these connections, but we really don't have meaningful relationship. And what happens is this is that we don't, we're, we're isolated and we're disconnected and it just creates a lot of, it just perpetuates the fear that we have. So today, and, and, and what that creates is the story we tell ourselves. It's not really always that accurate story, but it gets tested when it comes to failure. How do we get through failure? Well, I want to look at some scripture here in a moment, but I want to point out today's, you know, our core truth that we're going to look at here. And that is that, that playing it safe isn't, isn't God's goal for our life. 
So if you're here today and you're just trying to play it safe, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but God's will for your life is not to be, to be safe. It actually is to take a risk, and it's a risk of faith. Faith is this risk that we take. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God. If you want to be a God-pleaser and worship the Lord, it takes a risk, and, and, and that requires faith. But when we take a risk, how many know failure is a part of that? But how do we handle failure? Here, here's our main thought here today that we're going to unpack is, is this. The failure is not final. It's part of the progress. Failure, when we fail, it's, it's not the final word. It's not to be the final word. It's part of the progress in our life. Now, some would say, well, you mean process. Yeah, pro- there's, a, there's a process in failure because you're learning. You're, you're, hopefully, you're learning from it. That leads to progress doesn't it? You, you, you want to learn from it. If you don't learn from it, you're not making much progress. But we can't let defeat define us. It's this idea of refining our life toward what God has in a greater plan. But it's, the, the risk is this. There's going to be failure guaranteed in our life. This week in your small group, I hope that you can share your failures. I hope that you're willing to be vulnerable enough in your small group and the questions we have to be able to open them up and go, okay, when have you failed in life? Because here's the beauty of failure. If we could talk about, I failed and what I learned from it, everybody benefits. Like, oh wow, I'm not going to do what you did. I I learned from it the mistakes I made. And it brings a bond and brings a connection because we can learn from it. It, We can redeem that failure. But again, how do we respond to it? You know, as as we look at all the different failures in scripture, there's one that of a person I'm going to point out today, you're kind of going, no, I don't think that that guy's a failure. But I want to talk about the moment here in the words of the Apostle Paul. See, Paul, when we read about Paul, is like, well, he wasn't a failure. What are you talking about? He's successful. I mean, he, he wrote like most of the New Testament. All those different letters are, are Paul's letters. But yet, when we look at the beginning of Paul's life, he once was a, what, what family and friends and the religious group he was a part of, they looked at him with success. But when he, what he did and the decisions he made, really people go, no, he failed. He's a failure. See, in the book of Acts, in chapter 9, Paul, who is, at the time, entering in the, in the narrative, the biblical narrative, he's, he's called Saul. And, and just so you know, Saul, Paul, Saul was his Hebrew name, his Jewish name. Paul, as he's called later, and refers to himself, is his Greek name. Paul comes on the scene, and this is what it's interesting. It says in Acts 9, it, this is the very first description about Paul, is that is this, he, he's breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. That's how he's entered in. He is like a hitman. He's like trying to take out Christians. He doesn't like what's happening. He's very, you know, Jewish religious zealot, and he's, he creates these teams to take out Christians, to persecute them, and then even, even kill them. And what's interesting is Paul is on the road to Damascus. And he's on this road and Jesus himself appears to him and says, Whoa, look, Saul, what are you doing here? What are you? And he says, like, Lord, is that you? Why, you, why, are you? why are you persecuting me, Saul? Why are you doing this? Well, Jesus, in all his love, strikes him dead, uh, strikes him, sorry, didn't strike him dead, strikes him blind. He didn't die. Thought he was going to die. He's struck blind for three days. Another guy God speaks to named Ananias, I'm sorry, Ananias. And Ananias is told by the Lord to go and pray for Saul. 
And Ananias is like, no way I'm going to do that. Saul is like a contracted killer, right? No, I'm not going to do it. No, go do that. He prays for him. And the Bible says the scales come off Saul's eyes and he can see again. And not only is he healed, he repents of his sins, turns his life over to Jesus. Saul, who becomes the like number one guy that the Jewish people have to take out the Christians, becomes a Christian. He becomes, the, he becomes a fugitive overnight and there is the moment of failure. These people are saying, what are you doing? You're wrecking your life. You're, tur- you're, you're walking away from all this. You are a failure. And they end up trying to persecute him, oppress him, try to take him down. And, and we're reading Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, talk about all that he went through. That he, Paul was shipwrecked. He was starved. He was whipped like Jesus, not only just one time, but five different times. He was stoned where he was tied down. And, and big rocks were hurled at him until he's left dead. And ultimately, in all the experiences, he's, he lands in prison. He's no longer going and all these churches help starting to go and visit him. So what does he do? He writes letters. We benefit from, from that today. And all these letters Paul wrote to the to churches to encourage them and instruct them that we have. And so he, can, he writes these things, slips them under the door, and, and messengers go out to deliver that. And one of the, the books that he writes is the book of Philippians to the church of Philippi. And he writes this in chapter 3 of that book where he talks about, he, he writes how he was considered successful in his past. He's a big religious guy. But then he says this, he says in verse 4, we got it there. It says, though I, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. That was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul's not bragging here. He says, this is where I came from. This is, the, this is where I thought I was important. I thought I had this power and this position and this prestigiousness about who I was. But here's the turning point. Here's the moment where all the success, someone look now what he does next, would consider it a failure. And it cost him. Listen to his perspective. His failure, but it was not final, just part of this progress. He says, I once was all these things, and I thought it was valuable. But he says this, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ had done. Yet everything else is worth less when compared to with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so I might gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through the obeying of the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God, God's ways of making us right with himself depends on faith. There it is. What's faith? Faith is taking a risk. Faith is not playing it safe. Faith is stepping out. And so Paul does this and it costs him. What is considered failure, he takes it and uses it and handles failure in a, in a wonderful, amazing way. And how he describes it for us and help us, that failure is, is part of the process, actually really part of the progress, because you, we can learn from our failure as we move forward in our failure. We can learn, use it really as kind of, is really fuel to amazing fulfillment in our lives. And he does this through this picture of, of being a runner. 
Now, I, I know some of us here don't maybe do a lot of athletics or anything, but is anybody here, is anybody here, they say you ran a marathon. Can you just raise your hand if you ran a marathon? That's awesome. Drake, you ran a marathon? Anybody else? In this room. How many, oh, back there, I see you. Thank, that's awesome. I'm really, that's amazing. You guys did that. Not that I think you couldn't run one. I think that's awesome. But um, how many have never ran a marathon? Can you just raise your hand? Just come up. Let's admit it. We have never ran a marathon. Me neither, okay? Just so you know, I've never run, I never ran one either. And they're, I, oh, I, I think they're wonderful people that don't do it. I've learned from people. But here's the thing. We're all runners in, in life. It's called, the, it's called the human race, okay? And we've ran, this last week, some of you ran the rat race, right? We know what it's like to run in life. We're just trying to get through life and make it through. Paul gives us this picture of a runner. So go with me on this. We're getting to the Olympic year coming up. So you get this in mind. So whether you're an athlete or not, or you watch it, we are going to talk about this running, this idea, this running, this race, this Christian race. And with this, there's this phrase that we're going to use here. And this phrase is called failing forward. And Paul talks, it, it describes really what we're going to read about this idea of failing forward. John Maxwell, leadership guru, many years ago wrote a book called Failing Forward. And, and it fits so well with that picture of failing forward. Now, what does it mean to fail forward? Well, it's kind of like when you fall, fall the right way. Like if you ever, like if you're an athlete and you, you're playing football and you get tackled, hopefully you go down in a right way. You don't go down on an ankle or a hand or wrist. I mean, if you, you know, if you hit your head and you get concussion, falling the right way is is really important. Failing the right way is really important. I always, I always picture uh, um, Buzz and Woody and Toy Story, and you know, Buzz comes out and he's got his wings. He's like so official. I am, I am, I am this. You know, I, I won't go into the, his the description who he is from wherever, and 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 he he says to himself this, and like Woody's like, you're a toy. You're just a toy. You know, you're not flying, you're falling. And I love the ending of the movie where they're trying to catch up with the, 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 the family that's moving away. And they're down, and they're going down, and they're going down. And, and Woody grabs, I think, onto Woody. and, and or, I'm sorry, Woody grabs onto to, uh, to Buzz. You guys know this, the moment. And, and, he's, and he goes, and Woody does say to him, okay, we're, we're not, we're not, you know, we're, we're not flying, we're falling with style. And, and I love that phrase. In our life, we're, we're, yeah, we can't fly, but we can fall with style. And it's about falling the right way and failing forward. We're going to fail, but are we going to fail forward, okay? So, and failing forward, you can take some notes, you can write this in, is this. When we fail, we have to first start with this. We have to be first on the, the starting line. Even if you start the race to fail forward, you got to start. You have to get to the starting line. And here's the challenge. Before people get to the starting line of the Christian race, there's, the reality is we're all, we can all be kind of spectators, right? And I've found being in a crowd, we can, we can criticize. When you're in a crowd, you're going to criticize. I can't believe they called that play. I can't believe he didn't throw the ball. He should have thrown the ball. And we can do that. Like, why are we doing that? Because we're critical. And, and much of it happens is the, the reality is that you're in the crowd. You don't have a lot of credibility, See, one of my favorite quotes is uh, President Theodore Roosevelt. I have this hanging on my, my, this little piece of paper I printed out in my office. It's called The Man in the Arena. Maybe you know this. I just love this. Teddy Roosevelt wrote this or spoke this speech in Paris in 1910. Listen to this idea of stepping out and out of not being a critic, but stepping into the arena. He says this, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the, it's not the man who points out 
how the, the strong man stumbles or where, where, where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. It is difficult. It's not saying it's not. But here's the thing. We can't run the race of life. We can't even win the race of life from the bleachers. God created us with unique gifts, ignited the passions. He put in our heart this, the, the, this desire So we can't let fear or pride steal the opportunities that leave you on the sidelines wishing you had tried. I think the danger in our life is we can live this whole life trying to live safe and not be in God's will. My concern for us, I'm concerned for our generation, I'm speaking to older and younger when I say this, is will it not be tragic one day when we stand before the Lord, and yes, we're, we accepted the Lord, and we're going to heaven and everything, and the Lord says to us, you have, there was more in you than you thought. There's more in you and your generation. You, you could have done better. You could have done better. You were still spectating. I looked down in a generation, and this was the generation. You caught looking. You caught looking down. What happened? Can we not be that generation? Can we not be the people to look back on that? Oh, wow, mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa. You seem like every picture of you, you're, you're, you're holding something. What was it? Oh, Tragic. Would it be that we not engage in what God has for us and, and, and the moment we have to step into the arena, to run this race? Paul tells us his motivation and all his failing and all that happened. He says this, I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. He said, I experienced Christ, not just the, the, the Jesus that died for me, the one that rose from the dead. I can have that experience, that power to actually to do this is to know him. The word know here, it's not just a head knowledge because you can know of God. You know, I can, I can know, you know, you can, I, can, I can know of Russell Wilson, but I don't know him. He seems like a really good dude that loves the Lord. I don't know him personally. It's like people knowing, like I know about Jesus, but do you know him? Someone described it that we can be 18 inches from heaven between our heart and our head. You can have a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Paul's saying, do you know him personally? Do you have a relationship with him? And to do that, you have to step out of the grandstand and onto the starting blocks. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know him personally, you can today. The Bible makes it really clear. There's no pre-qualifying heats. There's nothing you have to try to do and earn. It's, it's really a step of confession. To confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. And, it's a, and to do that, it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy decision to do that, but it's a price to be paid. It's a price of surrendering your life. Paul says this in the next verse. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul said, I want to suffer. I, don't know, but I want to suffer. But what he's saying, I want to follow his Christ so closely to even experience. And he talks later about experiences glory and the, and the reward. But it's, it goes through the process of suffering. Jesus says, you know, consider the cost of being one of my disciples. There's going to be a price. And the price is surrendering your life. The price might be shame or being ridiculed. It might be a family looking down upon you. It might be you're not ruling your own life any longer. It's letting go and surrender your life to the Lord. And when you do that, so if you're not, haven't, haven't got out of the starting blocks yet, you're not on the race track yet. We'd love to help you. We'd le- love to lead you to Christ and have that, start that relationship, to start that Christian race. But know this, and failing forward is this, we are forgiven but far from perfect. 
We are forgiven, but far from perfect. There was a a clay pot experiment where they took two groups. They had one group that said, you just, here's your lump of clay and make the best pot you can. Make the best shape you can make it. And they took another group, said, you can use as much clay as you want. You can make as many as you want. And just, and so they did a little study. And the study they found was this, that the group that just spent all their time in one clay pot their quality work was not as good as the other group that just started making lots of pots. What they find is this, the more you're failing, the more you're trying. (laughs) And you're going to get it right. Failure is part of this process. Keep learning, keep growing. I have a a friend named Jason who is now in Nashville and he writes amazing songs, but he he writes songs. And what he found is the more songs he writes, the better he's getting at the writing. Rather than keep perfecting the one song all the time and writing it, he keeps writing new songs. And that's our life as well, to keep going, keep doing. And in our trying, we're going to fail. We're going to fail and we're going to picture a race, running a race and getting off course. I don't know about you, I'm so glad for GPS. I don't know where we'd be, be, how many times we've been lost in life before GPS. But GPS, you have to follow it, right? If you put it up there and on your dash and you're driving along and you don't say turn here and you go the other way, it says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And I've seen it rerouting, you're like, shut up, I don't want to listen to that. And, and, And yeah, it's telling me, and it's the same way with the Holy Spirit, that the Lord is always rerouting us to his best will. His perfect will is always being rerouted. Okay, well, here's another detour for you. Here's another detour. Here's another one. It's always, the Holy Spirit's always trying to get, reroute us to get us back on the track. So if you're off, you're off, you're off. It's okay. And this is what Paul says about it. He says, he says this, I don't mean that I've already achieved these things. I've been off track. He says, I've been already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that, per, that per, um, perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He's saying, man, I had this experience. It's awesome with the Lord, but I got track a little bit. I'm not on the perfect, I'm not doing this perfection. I'm growing toward that. Listen, if you made a bad decision, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean because you're failed. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It's humbling ourselves and pressing into Jesus even more. So if you're off track, I tell you what, even if you feel a thousand miles away from the Lord, you're only one prayer back. Confess your sins. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. Come clean. Get back. If you're here today and you're like, man, I feel so far from the Lord, you're only one prayer back. Jesus, as we talked last, or we talked about the Father's love in the story last week, he's not here to condemn us. He's not here to like, oh, now you're coming back after all you didn't know. He's like, welcome back. You're back on track. You're back with us. See, in failing forward this, you're not perfect, but forgiven, but know this. You also says, don't, don't look backward, but press forward. Push forward. Push forward. If you're a runner, if you, mention, you raise your hand, you know you shouldn't look backwards because you'll slow down. And we do that in life. We look back. We look back. Not only the regrets that we have, but we can look back in the success. You're like, wow, that was so good back then. Like, that's already passed. The glory days are gone. New opportunities. But we can look at our past with regrets and it holds us back. Look at what Paul says here in verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Because I haven't made it. He goes, I'm not arrived, but I, one thing I do, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and look, looking forward what lies ahead. Let me ask, are you letting the past hold you back? Is there something, the story you're telling yourself, there's something back there, man, let, letting it go. And this idea of, of failing forward. You have a choice. I, I got this chart up here. 
that you can look at real quick. I'll just go through it, running out of time. But this idea of failing backward and failing forward that John Maxwell put together, he says that, you know, failing backward is blaming others. Failing forward is taking responsibility. Failing backward is repeating some mistakes, same mistakes. Failing forward is learning from each mistake. Failing backward is expecting never to fail again. Failing forward is, is to know failure is part of the progress. Failing backward is being limited by past mistakes. Failing forward is taking new risks. Failing backward is thinking, I'm a failure. Failing forward is believing something just didn't work. And then failing backward is, is quitting. Failing forward is persevering. Chris and I were having lunch the other day. He's our media director back there. He leads worship. And we're talking about, he mentioned Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison, though there's some controversy about him, he, last service it was, um, if you're here, but he was uh, actually known to be the one that, to invent the light bulb. But what is known about Thomas Edison, it took a lot of tries to get the light bulb. And his comment was, one more way not to make a light bulb after several hundred times. They think over 900 times it took him to, uh, nope, that didn't work, next one. And he kept doing that. And he, this is the quote he says, many of life's failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. So close. If, if Edison, he was at 899, he go, that's it. I can't, I can't get this light bulb thing to figure out. Where would it be? We would be in the dark, right? Or someone else could come along and, and take credit for the light bulb. But here's the thing. Our failure is, again, it's not the final word. It's us learning and growing and developing. So if, how do you respond to adversity, trials, sin, trouble, pains, tragedy? Really has to do with how, how you're going to allow it to define you. Because we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. And if you're, you trip and you fall in the race, what do you do? You got a choice. You can lay there and get run over or crawl off the track or go, no, I'm not going to let this failure define my life. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from it. And I, I'm going to step forward. And I love what Paul says here about this idea of pressing on. See, failing forward is this, finally. Press on because there's a prize ahead. Press on because the prize is ahead. Like anything, to be successful, you've got to focus on the goal. You've got to look ahead. In our struggle spiritually, fatigue can come over us, but I think some of the greatest issues in our struggle today is distraction. We are pulled away, we get pulled and enticed away, and we lose our focus on the goal. I've had friends in high school, many of them were very instrumental, encouraging me in my, my development as a disciple of Jesus. But I look out today, and they are not running the Christian race any longer, as far as I can tell. They have just lost their passion for the Lord. Maybe they're going to heaven. I don't know. I don't know where they are really. But if I had the opportunity, not here in a place of judgment, but I would ask the question to them. I've had a heart-to-heart conversation today. I would ask the same question that, that Paul asks in Galatians. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Who cut in on you? Who was it? What was it? And that's a question for you. If you're, if you're kind of not passionate about the Lord any longer and you're kind of going, what caused you to lose that passion? What, what, what caused you? What, 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 why, are, why are you dealing with what you're dealing with? What got you off track? There's many things to do that. I think we get distracted as well as get discouraged. What pulled you away? Or who, pull, who have you allowed to pull you away? 
I'm so appreciative of my discipleship group that I'm part of. My quad, we call them. Four guys, four. There's ladies groups that do this. And if you want to be a group, let me know. But we get together and it's an accountability group. And we study the Bible and we go through this. It's a, it's a several month commitment. But we get to know one another. And man, I, one of our guys in our group yesterday shared, he goes, man, I've never done anything this consistent. We've been about almost done, like eight months we've been in this thing. He goes, I've never finished anything like this in my life. You know why he's doing, he's finishing? Because he's in accountability. He's got people around him saying, you don't have to run this race alone. You don't have to run it alone. See, I've determined in my life, hopefully in yours, that life is too short. My calling is too great to let, get, let anything get in the way. And that was Paul's heart of running strong to keep focus. And let me just wrap up with this last verse. He says this, so that I press on, he says, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The prize is heaven. The prize is going to be reward. But the, 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 the pinnacle of the prize is Jesus. We get to experience Jesus and fully who he is. And here's the beautiful thing. And this whole thing of running the race, we don't have to run it alone. And yes, we have the support and encouragement of others. But ultimately, guess what? There's one that's running and desires to run it with us. So I'm going to invite our team to come. As we push forward to this prize that Christ has for us heavenly. We don't have to run alone. We don't have to run alone in this. I, it was beginning to the Olympic year in Tokyo 2020 this summer. There's Olympic moments I can look back on. There's one that always stands out for me. It's one of my favorites. It's the story of Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond in 1992 in the Barcelona Games. He's running the 400 meters and he's coming around the last turn and something horribly happens. Here he's trained, he's worked hard, he's ready, and here he is running for, hopefully in the gold medal round, ready in this last turn, the 400 meters. This is what happens. Take a look at this. Look how it ends. I think you figured out that that was Derek's father pushes out of the stands, gets with them, waving people off. No, no, this is my son. We're, we're going we're gonna to finish this. We're going to finish this race together. He's not your son. You're not alone in this. Whatever's happened to you, whatever failure, whatever injury, you're, you're, you're going to make it. We're going we're gonna to finish this race. We're going to cross the finish line together. And I tell you, that's the picture of God our Father who came out of the stands of heaven, not spectating over or looking for it to judge us, but says, no, I want to help you finish the race. I want to help you cross the finish line. It's not finishing first, it's finishing. And I want to help you finish. I love Hebrews. It tells us that, you know, to get rid of any sin that's so easily entangled us, to run the race marked out for us. But to do that, we're going to have to do this to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But before the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning his shame, sat down on the right hand throne of God. What he's saying is this, is that the scripture says that, that the, Christ, he sent, the Father sent the, the Lord, Jesus, to calm down. And what did he do? He not, only, he not only ran the race, he finished the race on the cross. He said, it is finished. 
And then what did Jesus do? He came back and got us. He said, We're I've already did the work. I've already, victory has already happened. What, this, what it feels like defeat, you're failing, you're at the moment, you're, you're stumbling, you're falling, you're laying there. What do you do? He goes, no, no, you know, from the, from the ashes, from the, from the moment of pain and from where we're going we're gonna to run this race together because I've already won. I've already defeated death. I've already rose from the dead to give you life. Let's now run it together. Folks, we're not alone in this race. Yes, we have one another, but we have Jesus himself to run that race with us marked out for us. Will you pray with me? Will you just close your eyes, take this moment? I want to take a moment here and just like, wow, all that we heard and that, that maybe we're inspired by this, but here's something very, very important. Have you even started the race? Have you ever started this race called the Christian race, this, this, this race that Paul talks about, marked out for us. Have we started running? Have you really truly confessed Jesus to be your Lord and be your Savior? That you can step on the track now. We asked this question in the first service, we're asking the second, the second service here. If you've not received Jesus to be your Lord and be your Savior, you want to start this Christian race today. Can I pray for you by, if you could just slip your hand up, I want it, just me and you, we can just have that moment here. I want to pray for you today, an opportunity for you. For some of us here, we would say, yeah, I see your hand, that's awesome, that's awesome. And right now, just if you had your hand raised, just, just say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Lord, I want, I confess my sin to you. I want to, I want to start a relationship with you. I'm on, I want to be on this race, Lord. And you're, you're going to help me as I start this new walk with you, this new race with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving a person, saying yes to you, Jesus. But many of us here want to pray. You know you felt some defeat. You felt some failure. In fact, you, you sometimes, that story you tell yourself is that negative story of I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Man, Jesus rewrote your story. But it's tested in the failings in our life and the mistakes that we made. Failure is just to teach us, is to help us to, to move forward and fail forward. I encourage you to keep a, make a commitment today, Lord. I want to. I want to fail forward. I want to fail. I want to fail toward you. I want to. I want to fail heavenward. I want to fail toward the, and, and to press on toward you, Lord. And I need your help and I need your strength to do that. I don't want nothing to get in my way. Maybe you're here today and you've got you got off the track. You just you're, you're drifted. Now you just need to come back to one prayer way that we can pray right now. Lord, thank you for the hand that was raised today. Maybe there's a couple here today that say yes to you, Lord. Maybe they're, they're just saying, Lord, I, I've drifted from you. I'm, I want to get back on track. Or maybe for the very first time, run, they want to run this race. Lord, I pray that this moment be real for them to say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I receive you today. Today, Lord, I start this new, this new race. My story is rewritten, brand new in you, Lord. And yet for many of us here today, we've been running this race, but we're weary, we're tired, we're, we feel defeated. We're laying on the track. We say, Lord, we need some help. Lord, we need some strength. And Lord, you come out of the stands of heaven to come alongside, pick us up, and to, to run out this race with us to finish strong, Lord. So we pray for your power, your Holy Spirit to fill us, to encourage us, not only this moment as we run, but tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday and we get through the week. But Lord, more than we get through the week, we have this life of fulfillment in you. No matter the mistakes, no matter the challenges you have, we're failing forward. And we do not let it define us, but it refine us toward the fulfillment and Christ-likeness you have. And Lord, we would also be people that would partner with others 
that their strugglings and their failings, that we come alongside not to judge them, but to carry, carry their, to come along and help them, to shoulder them as, Lord, you shouldered our, our burdens and our needs, Lord, to run the race and to finish strong in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.